0: Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope that this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure that you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Good morning, everybody. So good to be here this morning. And we, uh, that was a quick a quick kind of hello, wasn't it? But uh, we keep, keep uh, having to remind ourselves that we've got to be uh, ready to go for the next service very, very soon. So uh, what a privilege, though, it is to be seeing so many um, babies being born and bringing new life into, uh, you know, into our world today. It's, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Even as grandparents, my wife and I are grandparents and have been grandparents for a few years we have two grandchildren, plus one, plus one, as you saw, in the oven <laughs> over here. So we uh, it's my privilege to share a, a message with you this morning, and it really comes back to our theme for this year, which does anybody remember what our theme is? There's been so much going on this year, I, I wonder if we still remember, uh, but it was actually about a new thing, yeah. a new thing. And who would have thought that when we presented that to the church uh, nearly 12 months ago, by the way, it was end of November, presenting a theme of the new things. God is doing a new thing. Uh, see, uh, you know, do not dwell on the past, et um, etc. et cetera, et cetera uh, is part of that, you know, part of that whole idea of the new thing. Uh, that who would have thought that so much would have happened uh, this year uh, when we entered into, I think it was January the 7th was first recognised as being uh, something of a pandemic turning up into our world this year. And we uh, really, I guess, uh, you know, the world is probably gonna be a little bit different to what we've known it to have been. Um, Prince Harry and Meghan stepped down as royals this year. Something to mention. Don't know how you all feel about that. But anyway, the UK withdrew from the European Union this year. The Summer Olympics in Tokyo were postponed and uh, interest rates are the lowest they have been. And of course, we have a Labour government that can now do whatever it wants, which means no more excuses for them to actually fulfil all that they have promised. So that will be interesting, won't it, to see how that all goes. So what does it mean for the church? You know, been a tough year, so what does it mean for us? Well, we keep going. We keep going, we, we keep loving God. We keep loving people. We, we stay passionate, yeah. all right? We continue to enjoy and have fun. We, uh, we do things as well as we can with what God has given us. You know, as I quoted before in that prayer, come on, arise, shine. Yeah. We're to arise and we're to shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon us. Even though darkness covers the earth, thick darkness over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears on you. So what's next for you? Arise and shine. And right through Scripture, when we think of of the Kingdom of God, we are filled with hope. We, We And and really, as Christians, that's our responsibility is to keep the kingdom first place, keep the kingdom a priority. Because if you're gonna look elsewhere, (laughs) uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not looking totally positive, is it? And so we have this responsibility to focus on the kingdom of God, which is filled with hope, with life and with peace. And it was constantly described, by the way, this kingdom as a kingdom of increase, of multiplication. To go forth and increase was, is our mandate and it still is today. Which means literally to go forward, to move forward and to grow. So continue to move forward and continue to grow. And you know what, we've gotta be constantly reminded of this, particularly as we get older, because, our, and, and by the way, getting older, it's not just an age dynamic, but an attitude. A great celebrating Lorna's birthday today. Last week, uh, the celebration of Lionel Wells. Uh, Nolene's here today. Nolene's husband, Lionel, celebrated 100 years, uh, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> but, when we, but as we get older, let's be honest, we become less childlike, true? And uh, there's, uh, there are things that happen to us, not just with age, but, but with, with attitude as well. And Jesus said this, He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And so if we are living out the kingdom of God, then we have to keep childlike. There is something about us, even though we are ageing, Even though we are getting older, that we are still called to embrace the kingdom of God. But to embrace the kingdom of God, you've got to become and to stay as a child. And you kind of think, well, what does it mean? Uh, What did Jesus mean about entering the kingdom of God like a child? What does that actually mean? Uh, Well, it doesn't mean go to heaven when you die. It's not what Jesus is talking about. It's not kind of like just waiting to, you know, when, when I give my life to Jesus, I'm gonna give Him, give Him my life. And we do that uh, and we have this childlike mentality in that because obviously we've got to humble ourselves before God and, and often as an adult, we don't wanna be humble. There, there's an old saying, some of us are humble, but we're 50% hum and 50% something else <laughs> that goes along with that but ultimately we don't want to be we don't want to be known or, or to live out this life in humility but that's part of the childlike response is actually humility and yes to come to know Christ and to come to first of all embrace the kingdom we have to hum- become humble and and uh no salvation, which then enables us to enter heaven. But Jesus wasn't saying that. He was saying the kingdom of God is about now. It's not about when you die. It's actually about now. And to be in the kingdom, you have to be, be like a child. Well, what does that mean? I've got to be ignorant. I've got to be somebody who doesn't need to learn all this stuff. And no, we're still got to keep learning. We read the Word of God. We keep learning. We keep growing. In fact, that is being childlike, by the way. Uh, but also it's understanding that as, 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 a, as a Christian that we have to continue to stay humble and keep humility at the foremost of our life as we embrace, to be able to embrace, should I say, the kingdom of God. And Jesus had in mind when He teaches about becoming like a little child, He's experiencing the life of God in this life requires humility like a little child. Childlike doesn't mean becoming or remaining ignorant for God gave us uh, scripture so that we might learn and we might grow and we might mature. Instead, becoming like a little child means that we maintain the wonderful and beautiful characteristics and qualities of children that life in the sinful world Tends to beat out of us. True? Childlike qualities. What are childlike qualities? Well, tenderness of conscience is one. Openness about emotions and feelings, right? Creativity and imagination. What do you want to be when you grow up? The creativity and the imagination that our children have. What happened? Uh, the wonder and the awe. The joy the fun, the eternal hope, the playfulness and the humour, the trust, easy forgiveness, undying love, boundless exuberance and energy, always thinking about the best or always thinking the best about life and other people being willing to learn and to grow. These are the sort of qualities that tend to define children, but which get stripped out of people as they encounter the sin and brokenness of this world. True? As adults, we get bored with flowers. We get bored with bugs. We get bored with sunsets. We lose delight in talking with others about nothing. We become jaded and disinterested. Adults hold grudges. They harbour fears and stay angry. Adults refuse to forgive. Adults lose hope because their hopes have been dashed and destroyed so many times. Adults do things because they've always done it that way and have trouble imagining anything different. But children do not behave in any of these ways. And by the way, nor did Jesus. And that was one of the most amazing characteristics of Jesus on this planet is that He showed people how to be childlike again. When they got so caught up in their world and so caught up in their issues and so caught up in the things that that kept them bound and kept them so limited, Jesus turns up and yes, He was the of the, is the saviour of the world. Yes, He came to bring life. He came to bring fullness of life, but He taught us how to be childlike again. He was in awe of people. He was in awe of His own heavenly Father, God Himself. And yet how, you know, I, I was so encouraged by this morning with the worship. I felt an awe personally because I, I travel a lot and I go into a lot of churches and I gotta say, this has gotta be the best place. And it's not a, not a, a you know lifting Annisbrook higher than anything, anyone else or anywhere else or anything else. It's just simply that the, the, this is good. Yeah. And we get so familiar with it and we get so content with it and we kind of like ho-hum about it. But in actual fact, this is an amazing place. And what God has created here over the last gazillion years, 75 of the 90 years that Lorna has lived, 75 years that, that this church has been in existence, it has become and, and will continue to be a light, on, like a city on a hill, a light for the generations to see. And look, let's not get used to it. Let's not get used to it, let's embrace it. And for those of you who are watching online this morning, let me encourage you, it's great to be online, it's great to be watching online. But boy, if you can get into a community, get into a community, it's hard doing this on your own. We need each other. And so, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you with that. What a great place to be. And I'm, you know, I am filled with awe and awe and I'm in awe of life and I'm in awe of God and I'm in awe of humanity. And that's the way Jesus presented this, this idea of salvation was that we would be so filled with hope and so filled with life that we would continue to stay in awe of it. And by the way, awe becomes contagious. Or, that's why you're here this morning, there's something contagious about being here. The awesomeness of God, the awesomeness of being together. Jesus represented that in such a powerful way. People who saw how Jesus lived began to see how life should be lived. Jesus revealed how God intended life to be lived. In other words, those who began to, or begin to live life like Jesus are those who begin to see heaven come down to earth. And so the kingdom of God is at hand. It's now and in the future. It's now and the future. And it's like being reminded of the question often asked of children, well, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? But unfortunately for us adults who were once children, we were once, We can so easily get stuck. Our existing job, our chores, our worries, even all seem to take precedence over the passion that prods us to strike out in bold new directions. And we tend to feel stuck and stagnant and bored by our predictable routines and consumed by our many responsibilities. Sometimes, uh, well, I think sometime, I think today maybe, (laughs) we've gotta take stock of ourselves and ask these questions. Am I truly fulfilled? Am I really moving forward? Am I advancing in my life? Am I challenging myself to the fullest? Am I mining the best that there actually is in me? And by the way, another great question, am I childlike? Am I humble enough to accept where I'm at and humble enough to understand that there is a big God who wants to do big things in my life. And therefore, God, what is it you want me to do? And actually being open to that question. Have you ever asked that question of God? God, what is it you want me to do? Not, not just as a kid, but now. Well, I might be 90 years old. Yeah, God, you're still breathing. Right? You're still breathing. Right, Lorna? Still breathing? Good. It's true, Right? What is it that God is calling you to do and calling you to be? And it doesn't have to be some big, massive thing out there. Just simply you being the best that you can be with what God has given you. The gift that's on your life. Understanding who you are, understanding who you are in Christ and knowing that it's Him who strengthens you, it's Him who empowers you. In Him, nothing is impossible for you. Uh, And so nothing is impossible for God, nothing's impossible for you, right? So what is it? What does it look like? And I know that's a big, big question, but here, here we go, here's a scripture. Let's get to scripture. I have mentioned a few scriptures already, by the way, but let's get seriously into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 to 13. And this is the message version. It says, dear, dear what? Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious Life Now remember, Paul's writing this. He was killing Christians. He, he thought he was doing it on behalf of the God that he knew, uh, doing the right thing, but ultimately had a massive experience with Jesus. And now he realises how narrow and how stuck he actually was. And he said, I, can, I, I, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. You think you know, things around you are creating the smallness in you. No, the smallness is from within. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansive. The smallness you feel comes from within you. You you can blame your mum, you can blame your dad, you can blame the country you live in, you can blame the midwife who got you out of your incubator, you can blame the pastor. Uh, That's Jared here for Saxton, by the way, just letting everyone know. (laughs) Look, you can blame everyone and you can blame everything for the smallness you feel. But at the end of the day, the smallness that you feel is within you. And as long as you think you've got someone to pass the buck, something to blame your small living, your your small living, uh, to blame your small living upon, you will never truly access the kingdom of God. If you see yourself as unqualified, insignificant, unattractive, inferior, or inadequate, you will act in accordance with those thoughts. As a man or woman thinks, so they shall be, or so they shall become, and you will stay stuck. How do we stay stuck? I think first of all, as adults, we play it safe. Number one, we play it safe. Paul said, we didn't fence you in. You've built your own playground. You've built your own fence around the playground of your life. And we didn't do that. You have done that yourself. Children become adults. We become trapped in mind-numbing routines. We get into our comfort zone of safe, protected and and We become afraid to step out of them. But the very comfort that protects us from the pain of growth can also imprison us can also imprison us. And rather than diving into life with the energy we did as children, we become overcautious and unable to step out because our growth is being hindered. Not only do we play it safe, but number two, we stop learning and having fun. We stop learning and having fun. Paul said, you're living a life and you're living your life in a very small way. And as adults, we lose our ability to have fun you know, a part of our social conditioning says that once your schooling is over, you have no need to grow or to learn anymore. When in actual fact, it should really accelerate. Your learning and your growing should accelerate as you get older. Remember at school, there were times called playtime. Does anyone ever remember playtime? Well, seriously, let's bring it back. Who want? like, wouldn't we all still want to have playtime? But as adults, we kind of feel like, well, it's, it's, it's bad to do that. We, we feel guilty because we're having a bit of playtime. Uh, I remember probably playtime was the most creative moments of my life. A School itself and learning in a classroom wasn't the most creative moments of my life, but playtime certainly was. In fact, I remember doing something once with a group of guys and the penalty for getting caught was uh, that we had to line up uh, in front of our teacher, school teacher, Mrs. Rivers was her name, and she was probably eighty something, but probably not now. Now that I think about it, because I was only about seven or eight years old, or not maybe nine years old, maybe nine years old, and uh, we had done something so creative that our penalty was that we had to kiss Mrs. Rivers. We all lined up in the classroom and we had to walk up and we had to kiss her on the mouth. Wow. It's disgusting. That would you would never get away with that now. But we had made up this game called catch and kiss during playtime and we would run around the boys would run around catching the girls and kissing them. And so our penalty for getting caught was kiss Mrs. Rivers. <laughs> Playtime, I'm not suggesting that you find playtime to be that creative. I don't know if that's <laughs> the right thing, but it's an example. Okay, number three, n- not only do we play it safe, not only do we stop learning, not only do we uh, you know, uh, not have fun anymore, but number three, we believe in false promises. We grow up as adults and what we learn is this lure of materialism. That's around our life. We've been sold a false promise that money can buy everything, including happy emotions, intimate relations, and a good life. In other words, money can buy your soul. But there is the continual misbelief that something outside of you will make you happy. But there is absolutely no relationship between what, what we call fulfilment and what we call material success. Fulfilment, true fulfilment is this. I think it's got it on the screen here. The ability to love and have compassion. True fulfillment is to find true meaning in your life and know the wonder of an awesome God who can fulfill in you that love, compassion, and true meaning that we are all searching for. And once you have all that, material success simply becomes just a byproduct. It becomes just a byproduct. You know, in a recent survey, they did a survey on the happiest people in the world. Nigeria came up as number one. Nigeria, third world country, no material materialism there, uh, but uh, it came as number one. Second place was Mexico, it was second place. New Zealand, we were way down the list. We were number 15. The USA was number 16. And uh, the survey that they did, BBC News wrote this, they said, the survey appears to confirm the old saying that money cannot buy you happiness. The survey even found that the desire for material goods was a happiness suppressant. It was actually a suppressant. That they even included a path to happiness resulting from their findings. You wanna hear what those were? Number one, making friends and value them. Number two, have faith. Number three, stop comparing your looks with others. And number four, don't worry if you're not a genius. (laughs) Don't worry if you're not a genius. Isn't that amazing? And yet here in New Zealand, we're one of the more prosperous nations in the world. Yet 400,000 suffer from depression. 55% of marriages end in divorce. 400,000 are using illegal drugs. The youngest person on antidepressants in this country is a four-year-old. So what's the problem? We're achieving our material goals, but we're suffering inside because success without fulfilment equals failure. Success without fulfilment equals failure. And ultimately, the things we get will never make us happy. I think the fourth thing as well is I think too many of us, we accentuate the negative. Reason why, Other reasons why we get stuck, we accentuate the negative. Uh, the major reason why many are in pain is that they are focused on themselves, on their upsets, their challenges, and their problems. Your emotions aren't somebody else's fault. If you feel pain, you need to understand its origin. Here we go, quick counselling session. You need to understand its origin, to express it, to share it, to release it and move on. By the way, I didn't say take a pill and get over it. I didn't say build a bridge. I actually gave you a pathway to actually help you move on. Understand its origin, express it, share it, release it and move on. If you don't, if you don't, Remembered pain will surface later as anger. Anticipation of pain will create anxiety. Redirection of pain will show up as guilt. And all your pain will sap your energy and bring on depression. Okay, that's all depressing, I know. Here we go as we finish. Four things that will lead to change. Four things to help you get out of the rut. Of being stuck. You ready for this? Number one, embrace the new. What's the new thing that you could put your hand to that's actually gonna bring a newness of life for you? What's the new thing? Um, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, God is wanting you to do a new thing. What about associating with new people? Those who can inspire you, those who can help you grow, those who are living the life that you want. See, you need meaningful relationships that will actually stir you on and stir you up. Do something new. Maybe for some of you adults, you need to go to a rap concert. Just little examples. Rediscover life as it is, life as it is, fresh, bizarre, scary, challenging, exhilarating, and endlessly interesting. Number two, not just embrace the new, but number two, you you've gotta to give to grow. Yeah, believe it or not, that's, that's part of this getting out of the stuckness. Become generous, become a generous person. Corinthians 9, verse 6, Give and it shall be, give, and it will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That which you give will grow. That, as you become a person of generosity, you will find that there'll be an overflow of that generosity. The more you contribute, the more you will grow. And the more you grow, the more you will contribute. And you come to realise that you are responsible to life for something. And when you discover what that is, your life will be transformed. Number three, get moving. I mean, stay right now, but number three, get moving. Get moving. You have camped here long enough. Remember, God spoke to the Israelites, said you've camped in this wilderness 40 years, 40 years doing the same thing, going around the same mountain. You have camped here long enough. When you're feeling down, and you've stopped and you're stuck, antidepressants are usually not the answer. Unless you are in a psychotic depression, your entire being actually has its own pharmacy. The symphony of mood enhancing chemicals in the brain, such as dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin, it's released in your bloodstream. No antidepressant can equal that symphony. Because it is orchestrated by our Creator God who knew what we needed, how much we needed and when we need it. And that symphony is played when you laugh. That symphony is played when you create. That symphony is played when you exercise, when you praise and when you pray. By the way, it also is exercised when you get quality sleep. By the way, also, even watching a great movie can bring that to the fore, can begin that symphony. The notebook is a good one for that. (laughs) Number four, last thing. Four, number four, love somebody. You're stuck? Find somebody to love. Within you is an ability to love. Love is a powerful spiritual force because the ultimate love is God Himself. God is love and it's pure, unadulterated love. There's four stages to love, by the way. Number one, demanding it. That's what would, you know, that's babies, right? Babies demand love and some adults do too. Paul said, get off the milk and get onto the solids. Number two, not just demanding it, but giving it and expecting to be repaid for it. Number three is giving love with no strings attached. But number four is loving without limit. That's the ultimate love. Love without limit. No no strings, no conditions. Love, learn to love without limit. Nobody will ever love you more than God does. Unfortunately, most people never get to know God in a personal way. You know, uh, I've shared this little illustration before, but in New York, there's a uh, on the side of the street, there's, there's a statue of a guy by the name of, well, it's a, a Greek myth, myth, mythic, mythological god called Atlas, a big, strong guy. And uh, he's there on his knee, on one knee, bent down, and he's got the world on, on his shoulders. And, uh, and it really depicts something often of how we live and how we become as, as adults, you know, carrying the world on our shoulders. Right across from the street, oh, that particular street is a cathedral. And in the cathedral, you walk into that cathedral and there's Jesus, he's about depicted as an eight or nine-year-old, as a statue, uh, as an eight or nine-year-old. And he's got his hand out like this and the world is in the palm of his hand. And that, right across from the street, oh, you know, same street in New York. And really what it depicts is this idea that uh, we have a choice, you and I. We can carry the world on our shoulders or we can actually come to Jesus and surrender childlike. Just humility again. Recognising, I think humility is really recognising we can't do this on our own. We can't do this. We can't carry the world on our shoulders anymore as we have been. We've got to choose to become childlike and, and humbly accept that I've become too much of an adult. <laughs> With too many stains and sins that I carry, I have the world on my shoulders. You know, the Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. The weight of this world. So God, I, I place my life in your hands. That's, that's pretty humbling. Cast your burden upon me, Jesus said, because I care for you. Here's the thing, God is ready to assume full responsibility for that which you're carrying. I'll say it again, God is ready to assume full responsibility for that which you are carrying. He's full responsibility for the life that is surrendered to Him. There may be somebody here this morning who has never had an opportunity to invite Jesus to be the one in charge of your life. Right now, I wanna give you that opportunity. An opportunity to make peace with God, an opportunity to acknowledge God. If you're lost and in need of a savior, He is awaiting an invitation from you. And you could do that today, right here, right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray along with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it in your own heart and allow Jesus into your life today. If you feel like you're carrying that world upon your shoulders, you can release that burden and you can give it to Him. But you've gotta become childlike to enter the kingdom. You've gotta become childlike, which means I humble myself, realize I can't do this on my own. So here we go. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. I thank you that you came to this earth and you gave your life for me, that I might live free. I ask you to be the leader of my life. Please forgive me of all that I carry all that I've been doing on my own. Forgive me for, the, for living my life without you. I need you. Set now a new path for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank amen. you. Come on, why don't we just thank Brent for an amazing message. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.